Now, I mentioned we've got a great passage in Genesis chapter 22 this morning. This is, this is the end of the line for us in the book of Genesis. If you've got a Bible, I'm going to encourage you to get it out, open it up. We'll be in the Word together a lot, so it is helpful for you to have it and be able to track with us as we go. Uh, but just to set the stage before we read the text this morning, this is a story that has been told and retold literally millions of times in the last couple thousand years. I am confident of that. It's the story of Abraham and Isaac going up the mountain of God to, uh, for Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac at the altar only to have God intervene at the very last second. Okay, this is the passage that we're in today. Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 19. And you can follow along with me as we read. After these things, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he answered. Take your son, he said, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. So Abraham got up early in the morning. He saddled his donkey and took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering, and he set out to go to the place that God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up, and he saw the place in the distance. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there and worship, and then... We will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering. He laid it on his son Isaac. In his hand, he took the fire and the sacrificial knife. And the two of them walked on together. Then Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, My father. He replied, Here I am, son. Isaac said, The fire and the wood are here. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them walked on together. When they arrived at the place that God had told them about, Abraham built the altar there and he arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac. He placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out. He took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. He said, Abraham, Abraham. He replied, here I am. Then he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your only son from me. Abraham looked up and he saw a ram caught in the thicket by its thorns. So Abraham went and he took the ram and he offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named that place the Lord will provide. So today it is said it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from God. Or from heaven. And he said, By myself I have sworn, this is the Lord's declaration, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your only son, I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your offspring will possess the gates of their enemies, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring, because you have obeyed my command. Abraham went back to his young men. And they got up and they went together to Beersheba and Abraham settled in Beersheba. That's the passage that we're going to be wrestling with this morning together. And as we get into the text, I want to invite you all to join me in prayer. Normally I'd give you a few minutes to put your heads together with the neighbor and pray. But this morning I just want to invite you to join me as we pray together and we come to the word of God. Heavenly Father.
God, I thank you for Jesus, our sacrificial lamb. Thank you, Lord, that, that Jesus took the wood upon his shoulders. And he was led up the mountain. That he willingly and silently was led to the slaughter. God, I thank you that he gave his life to pay the penalty of our sin. God, thank you that you have forgiven us. God, our hearts need grace. Our hearts need your forgiveness, God. Thank you that it is accomplished through Jesus the Lamb. God, I pray this morning that our hearts and be full of joyful worship in you. God, may we not miss that, God. God, I pray that the wounds, the hurts, the offenses, the fears, and the doubts of this week would melt away as we worship you together this morning, as we look to Jesus and we worship you, God. We pray it all in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Okay, well, the story of Abraham and Isaac going up to the mountain for Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. It's a story that my guess is every single one of you is at least somewhat familiar with. You students in here, okay, how many of you are students normally in our kids' classes here? A few of you. So here's what you're going to have to do. Loud and proud, here's what I want to hear. If you have heard this story before, if you are familiar with the story of Abraham and Isaac, I want you to give out one quick but powerful wolf howl. Here we go. Okay. Now that's enough. Now no more speaking. <laughs> Utter silence. <laughs> I've given you your joy. Now utter silence for the rest. I'm just kidding. Okay. Now, even though this story is familiar to us, it, it's a passage that I think it begs a, a question. And it's a difficult question. And perhaps even the more familiar we are with the text, the more difficult it is to answer this question, which is this. What is this passage? Like, what do we actually have when we look at the story of Abraham and Isaac? On the mountain of God. Or another way to think about it would be this. What is this a story about? It is, so is this a story about a father and a son? Is that what this is? You read the story of Abraham and Isaac. And this is a story about a son really trusting his father. Trusting him so much. That he willingly. Is led up the mountain. Bound in sacrifice. Uh, and uh, uh, the story of, of his dad who trusts his God so much that he even is willing to offer his son as a sacrifice. Is that what this is about? Or is this a story about Jesus? Like, is this ultimately... So when we look at this, is this ultimately really a story that points us ahead to Jesus Christ? We think about the fact that Jesus, he too was the one and only loved son. He too was bound and had the laid or the wood laid upon his shoulders. He too was led up the mountain to be slaughtered and sacrificed. Is that really what this story is about? Do you know that the mountain that Abraham and Isaac go to that Isaac is 
brought up to be sacrificed upon, it, it is the very same mountain. Or if not the exact mountain, it is in the same tiny little neighborhood as the mountain where Jesus was ultimately sacrificed on the cross. And we see in this story, we see Isaac, he was probably 15 or 16 years old at this time, a young, strapping, strong man. He willingly surrenders to the will of his 115-year-old dad. He willingly takes the wood upon his back. He's willingly led up the mountain, willingly bound, silent even to the very moment of the slaughter. Is this a story that points us to our Savior Jesus? Or is this a story about you? Is that what this is? Is, see, is this a story that points us to that great dual reality that, that though we deserve to be slaughtered, to be killed for our sin, what we need is for God to provide that sacrificial lamb. Like just like that ram caught in the thicket. Is this a story about you and me in our need for that substitute, the lamb of God? Is that what God is giving us in the story of Abraham and Isaac? And the answer to every one of those questions, you know it, is yes. Yes, it's, it's all of that. It's all of that and more. It's why this story has been told millions of times over thousands of years. It's why we could preach this text next week and the week after and the week after that and still not exhaust all of its treasures and there are so many incredible angles just in this one passage alone that I think we could all enjoy it together forever and never fully exhaust the treasures that it contains. And for what it's worth, it's not just this text. That is what we have in the Word of God. It's endless treasure for those who will set their hearts and their minds diligently upon it. But this passage, yes, it is endless treasure. Yes, it is a story about a dad and his son. Yes, it is a story about Jesus. And ultimately, it's also a story about you and your need for a Savior. But beyond all of that, what Moses tells us about this passage is that it is a test. At its core, it is a test. And it's a test that is designed to get right back to the very center of the heart of man and ask one very important question. Do you fear God? Do you actually fear God? And today, that's the question that we're going to answer as we work together through this passage and we'll do it in three parts. We'll look at the test in three parts. The impossible command, the confident obedience, and the incredible outcome. The impossible command, the confident obedience, and the incredible outcome. Now, where this test, this, this incredible scene begins, it's really with an impossible command. Okay? It all begins, the testing of Abraham, and whether or not he fears God, 
It begins with an impossible command. I want you to see it in the text. So if you've got your Bible, you can look with me at verse 1. It says this, After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. Notice what God actually communicates and says to Abraham. He says, Abraham, here I am, he answered. Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. God, he comes to Abraham and it's like out of the blue. He just said, Abraham. Yes, Lord. Got a command for you today. Take your son, the one who you love. You know, the only one that you have with you, Isaac. And offer him as a burnt offering on a mountain that I'll show you. You know, we see, for us, Moses was kind enough to introduce the passage to us by telling us, this is a test. It's only a test. God does not telegraph that to Abraham. Okay, that's just in there for us. So we don't freak out when we see what God is asking him to do. But he's testing Abraham here. And his instruction, notice the impossibility of this command. He says, take your son, that son who you love. And offer him as a burnt offering. Do you know what a burnt offering is? Here's what a burnt offering is. A burnt offering, it's, it's a type of offering designed to symbolize complete surrender and commitment to the Lord. So the one offering that burnt offering to the Lord, it is a symbol of their complete surrender and commitment to the Lord. And it is made by getting an animal of some kind, slashing its throat, spilling its blood, killing the animal, then dismembering it, And taking its body parts, placing those upon the altar of God, and then burning them with a fire that is so intense that the parts are completely and fully consumed. And that's what God has just asked Abraham to do with his son Isaac. It's an impossible command. Kids, I'll just tell you, There's not a dad in here who would not melt at that command from their heavenly father. And again, remember, this is just a test, but Abraham does not know that. All he knows is he has just been given an impossible command from God. But I want us to see something in his response. And his response, Abraham's response, is confident obedience. It's like shocking how confident and obedient Abraham is, even though it is very costly obedience. Abraham summons his strength. He does what God is asking him to do. He doesn't drag his feet. He doesn't mope. It's startling how little resistance he puts up at the command of God. He just gets up and does what God has asked him to do. It says in verse 3, Abraham got up early in the morning. Notice that right away, he is quick to obey. He saddled his donkey, he took him and two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and he set out to go to the place that God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up. So this is a long journey. This required consistent obedience. It was costly obedience and it was consistent obedience. 
He's marching for three days. He looked up and he saw the place in the distance. And then Abraham said to his young men, notice this, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship. And then we will come back. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering. He laid it upon his son Isaac. In his hand, he took the fire and the sacrificial knife, and the two of them walked on together, father and his son. Then Isaac spoke to his father, Abraham, and he said, My father, he replied, Here I am, son. Isaac said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself. Listen to Abraham's reply. God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Then the two of them walked on together. When they arrived at the place that God had told him about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac. He placed him on the altar on top of the wood. And then Abraham reached out. He took the knife to slaughter his son. Now, I know it's a bit of a cliffhanger, but we need to pause there. Because it's in this we see just the incredible, confident obedience of Abraham. And I think there's probably a thousand questions we could ask in this passage. And there's a lot of good questions to ask, and you should ask them. If any of you are studying in your community groups this passage this week, dwell on it. Take time to ask those questions. There's a thousand questions we could ask. Even as we see the obedience of Abraham and and we wrestle with things like, what was he thinking? What was going through his mind at this moment? Or what was Abraham or Isaac thinking? What did Isaac think as his father reached out with the knife? Where was Sarah? What did she think of all of this? thousand questions we could ask, but here's the question I want us to zoom in on this morning. It's the question of motive. I want us to peer into the heart of Abraham. Why does Abraham obey God so confidently, even though his obedience is so costly? Think about that for a second. There's a lot of other good questions we could ask. But what I want you to think about this morning is this. Why does Abraham obey God so confidently? Even though his obedience is so costly. And you know why that question matters? Here's why it matters. If you want to obey God in your life, he is going to ask you to do things that will cost you dearly. So we need to understand the heart of a man who's willing to obey no matter the cost. You see, obedience to God is going to be very costly in your life. If, if there is not sacrifice, if there is not cost, then I'm just telling you, at some point, there is not obedience. I promise you that. If there is no sacrifice, it isn't obedience at some point. Obedience to God will be costly in your life. So we need to be people who really wrestle with and understand the heart of one who is willing to obey 
regardless of the cost. Now, one possibility as we look at Abraham as to why he was able to obey confidently, even though it cost him greatly, one possibility is that Abraham, he was looking at the promise that God had given him, and as he looked to that promise, he thought to himself, remember the promise that God had given Abraham multiple times at this point. His promise was that through Isaac, through that, his offspring would be as numerous as the stars in the sky, as numerous as the sand, the grains of sand on the seashore. And perhaps Abraham was looking at that promise and he thought to himself, now, there's no way that this can be fulfilled if Isaac dies. So, looking at the promise, no reason to be concerned here. I'll go ahead and do it. I think that's entirely reasonable. Not only that, I would be willing to bet that that is at least a part or a factor in the heart of Abraham in his confident obedience. But God's word gives us even more insight into the answer to that question. And it does it in the book of Hebrews. You see, in Hebrews chapter 11, the author of Hebrews does something for us that's a great favor. He peers back to this exact scenario, and then he opens the hood on the heart of Abraham, and he explains to us what is going on in the heart of Abraham as he's being tested here by the Lord. In Hebrews 11, verse 17, it says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac, He received these promises from God, and yet he was offering his one and only son, Isaac, the one to whom it had been said, your offspring will be traced through Isaac. How did he do it? Why did he do it? Verse 19. Listen carefully to what it says. He considered God to be able to even raise someone from the dead Therefore, he received him back, figuratively speaking. Why did Abraham walk in confident obedience to the Lord, even when it cost him greatly? It is because he considered God himself. He actually considered the God who he knew He considered the nature of God. He considered what God is like, who he is. He knew God. He actually had a relationship with God. He knew God. And he said, the God I know is a God who gives life. He said, God, the the God I know, he is one who can raise people from the dead. So regardless of what he is asking me to do, regardless of the details, I am going with him. I will do whatever it is he calls me to do. And see, this is the very heart of what it means to fear God. It is to know Him that we begin to fear the Lord and to walk in fear of the Lord. It's to have relationship with Him. It is to understand who He is. And you see, when we understand and we know God and we know what He's like and we know who He is, then no matter the details, no matter the plan that God has for us, no matter the path that God sets us upon, we know with certainty we are going with the path giver. I will go with him. No matter what you bring, God, no matter how scary it is, no matter how painful it might be, no matter how much I don't even understand what you're calling me into or what you're asking me to do, I'm going with you because I know you. 
And I would rather be with you than with anyone else. You see, Abraham had certainty in God. He stopped and considered God. And because he was certain in God, in his character and who he was, he was open to whatever God would bring in his life. Here's a question I want you to wrestle with this morning. Is that the certainty that you live with? In one sense, Christians, you ought to be the most flexible people on planet Earth. Because you already have the certainty of God himself. So whatever the details might be, You can trust him. You can walk with him. You can confidently obey him. You can receive from his hand. When God brings trials that you can't possibly explain. Does your certainty in God make you open to receive them from his hand? Even if you never understand them. Or when God brings commands that you feel like, I can't possibly obey that. Does your certainty in God allow you to be willing to walk in obedience to him, no matter the cost? You see, the way that the commands of God work is that they can be terrifying at times. Because the commands of God, what they're going to do is they're going to lead you into very uncomfortable places. They're going to lead you to places that feel scary. They're going to lead you to places that feel wildly inconvenient. You know, at times, the the word of God is going to convict you to do things that will bring such inconvenience to your life. They're going to convict you. The commands of God will convict you to communicate things That will bring awkwardness into your friendships or threaten your relationships. The the commands of God, it's going to lead you into places that, that bring you into great embarrassment. To expose things that you think, this is the last place I ever want to be. This is the last thing I ever want to do. The commands of God, they can be utterly terrifying at times. If you have followed God, you know the feeling. Staring at the word of God, staring at the command of God, knowing what God is calling you to do. And thinking to yourself, I don't know if I can go there and do that. And yet in this entire story, the thing that I think I'm struck with above all else It's the way that Abraham is able to obey the Lord without even blinking because of who God is. See, this is a story. It doesn't tell us nearly as much about Abraham as it does about God, about the faithfulness and trustworthiness of God himself. You see, if if what this story was is, is a story about like just the incredible strength of Abraham's faith, what we would want to first see and understand is like the weakness of God, but like against all odds, you have this incredible monumental faith of Abraham 
overriding and overpowering that. But that's not what we see at all. All you have is a simple man who simply considered God. The power of God, the goodness of God, the nature of God, the character of God. It's a story about the sheer awesomeness and faithfulness of our Lord. And without even a hint of self-pity at what God had called him into, Abraham says, here I am, Lord. What do you have for me today? And he walks in confident obedience. And through that obedience, this is the incredible outcome that comes. This is where the passage closes. It's by exposing for us the outcome. And so at this pinnacle moment of the book of Genesis, Abraham reaches out. He takes the knife to slaughter his son, verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, he replied, here I am. And he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your only son from me. Abraham looked up and he saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and he took the ram and he offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named that place, the Lord will provide. So today, it is said, it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. This is incredible what God does through this obedience of Abraham, this this simple, faithful, trusting obedience of Abraham. The first thing that he does is he provides a lamb. The lamb is provided. God had commanded Abraham to offer his son Isaac, but the son is spared, and the ram is provided at the last second. And it's such a glory to God. And you think without Abraham just faithfully walking in obedience to the Lord, you would have had none of it. I mean, think about just the richness of this one passage in all of the ways that it points us to Jesus and to our own need for the, the Savior. It's such a glory to God. We, we contemplate just the fact that this is the place, the very place. The hundreds, thousands of years later, Jesus himself will bear the cross, be led up the mountain in order to be sacrificed in our place. It is a great glory to God that the Lamb is provided. And they name this place the Lord will provide. They say, when people come here, they will remember that our God is the one who provides. And don't we know that today? See, we look at this same place and we see our God is the one who provides. The Savior, the, the, the sacrifice for our sin that we could have never, ever paid for. He is a God who provides. Not only is the Lamb provided, but the Son is brought back to life. It's a beautiful thing. This son, Isaac, who was as good as dead, he is brought back to life. Hebrews eleven nineteen. he considered God to be able even to raise someone from the dead. Therefore, he received him back. That, that is what Abraham experienced. Isaac was as good as dead to him. 
And, and yet God comes through. He provides this sacrificial lamb. And, and through that, Abraham's words are made true. They are made good. He had told his friends, hey, these servants that he was with, we are going there to worship and we will be back. He had told his son Isaac, God will provide. God will provide the lamb. And he did. And because of that, his son is brought back from the dead. And I think this is so good for us to remember because remember that feeling that I just mentioned of, you know, you have the commands of God staring you in the face. You know what you are to do. You know what God is calling you to do. But what it feels like is scary. It feels like sometimes my life's going to be over if I actually obey the Lord in this. But see, we need to remember our God is the giver of life. Our God is the one who brings people back from the dead. And obedience to the Lord, it always leads ultimately to life. Even if it comes through death. And I think for some of us, we might need to take a few steps backwards in our relationship with the Lord. What I mean is this. You know what I'm convinced of? I, I know that for every single person who, who, who is and who has been following the Lord, you know exactly what I'm talking about when I bring up that feeling of knowing what God's asking you to do, staring it in the face, and realizing I might be a dead person if I actually obey God in this. Okay, but here's what can happen sometimes. We just cut off our conscience and we move forward. And when we do that, it is amazing how far we can get with a dead, numb conscience. We just move on and then it's like, hey, I'm never going to deal with that again. I had, I had this slight conviction, maybe I ought to be doing something with my life. No, I don't want to do that. No, thank you, God. Cut the cord on the conscience. Move forward. Forget it. And never again shall I deal with that. But I just want to challenge you. Don't do that. Be willing to step backwards and to address the commands of God in your life. Will you confidently obey Him as you consider him and who he is and the life that he brings through our obedience. But then lastly, so we see the son provided, we see, or the lamb provided, we see the son brought back to life. Lastly, we see the promises of God are reaffirmed to Abraham. And this is where we're going to leave off in the passage. This is where we're going to leave off in the book of Genesis. In some ways, uh, I'm a little heartbroken, like I wish we were going all the way and finished strong. In other ways, I'm like, this is the perfect place to end our study in the book of Genesis. And the reason is this. See, the promises of God, they're reaffirmed to Abraham for like the sixth time, and it's probably actually like the hundred thousandth time. Of, uh, you know, you think about all that is not recorded for us. But pay attention to these promises that God is once again just reaffirming in the life of Abraham. It says, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven. And he said, by myself I have sworn, this is the Lord's declaration, because you have done these, this thing and have not withheld your only son, I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand and the seashore. Whether you look up or you look down, you will be reminded 
that God has promised you. Offspring as numerous as the stars in the sand. Your offspring will possess the city gates of their enemies. And listen to this. All of the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring. Because you have obeyed my command. And do you know what? From here forward, the rest of the word of God, it is rooted in that very promise of God through Abraham. The rest of the scriptures, it is unfolding the very plan of God in bringing blessing to all of the nations. And for all of eternity, this promise, it is this plan that is unfolding that will ultimately culminate in every tribe, tongue, people, and nation worshiping at the throne of Jesus Christ. See, it's this promise. It's this promise that the church is actually rooted in and is anchored in. It's this promise that, that is the very foundation of the Great Commission that Jesus sends his church out upon. You know, Matthew 28, it, it, it's not, again, we've, we've talked about this, but it's not just a softball thrown out of left field. Jesus didn't just invent the mission of the church. God delivers it upon this bedrock. Matthew 28, Jesus, he says, go therefore... And make disciples of all nations. Do you know why he says that? It's rooted right here. In this very promise. It is through the seed of Abraham. Through the offspring of Abraham. That God is bringing blessing. To all the nations of the earth. And who is that seed of Abraham? Yes, it is Isaac, but ultimately it is Jesus. It is Jesus, the one who traversed the very same trail up that mountain. It is Jesus, the one who had the cross laid upon his shoulders. It is Jesus, the one who was bound by his father. It is Jesus, the one who was led silently to the slaughter in our place that our sins may be paid for and forgiven It is Jesus for whom there was no substitute because he was our substitute. Through him, the nations shall be blessed. And it is through his offspring, the people of God, who are his people, not through blood of our own, but through the blood of Christ through the family of faith, it is through his offspring that the nations will be blessed. And how will they be blessed? Yes, through Jesus, but also through his church, through his people as they go forth and they bear witness to the work of Christ on that hill.